What is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I'm Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. It is Friday, July 9th, and you know what that means, baby. It is Podcast Friday, and we've got a very special edition of the podcast today. We're going to be joined momentarily by Commissioner Keith Gill of the Sunbelt Conference to talk all things Sunbelt Athletics. We also talk a little bit about the name, image, and likeness stuff, and also the college football playoff and the implications it'll have on not only the Sunbelt, but all of college football as a whole. Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. Like the or follow the Instagram page at the Mitch Davis Show. You can also check out the website at themitchdavisshow.com. And at this time, I would like to welcome Commissioner Keith Gill to the Mitch Davis Show podcast as we talk about all things Sun Belt Conference Athletics. Keith Gill of the Sunbelt Conference out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Commissioner, how are you doing today? You know, it's hot in New Orleans, but I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me, and uh, but it's hot humid, and it's um, it seems like it's always raining here. So it's uh, you know, it's a monsoon season, but things are going well. I hear you, Commissioner. I got I got to ask you about this right now. The biggest two stories in college athletics, and you are one of the leaders into this is college ball playoff expansion. And, of course, the name, image, and likeness uh, deal that's been passed through Congress and now passed through the NCAA. Richard, let's just talk about college football expansion. What do, you, what do we know now, and what do you expect to see, not only for your conference, but for college football? Yeah, you know, um, you know it's great. I, I think the working group did a great job. So I, I think the, um, you know, the, the framework that they put forth in terms of expansion is really good. I think it creates more opportunities. Um, certainly for a conference like the Sun Belt, so we're really excited about that. Um, but I, but I do think you know we need to talk to our membership, and so we're going to reach out to you know our you know our student our football student athletes. We're going to reach out to our coaches and, and make sure there aren't things that we haven't uh, that we've missed in terms of the proposal. But I, I think overall it's a pretty solid proposal. I mean, I, I think I've said this before. The important thing for folks to remember is that not everybody got everything they wanted. You know, if you got eleven kind of you know, people that, you know, kind of have to come to an agreement. And um, and so it was, you know, everyone saw little pieces of it that was positive. So I like um, the 12, I like going to 12, I like six um, conference champions, um, the highest ranked conference champions. I think as you look how that would have played out last year, Coastal Carolina would have been in, um, Sunbelt would have been represented, and that's what we want is an opportunity to play and um, compete for a national championship. Commissioner, it looks like the Sun Belt is taking the same approach the SEC is taking with hiring guys like Jake Spavadol at Texas State, Butch Jones at Arkansas State, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, Billy Napier at Louisiana, and the list goes on and on and on. As a commissioner, what do you put in place or what do you tell these universities to go out and hire these next up-and-comers? But let's be honest, Commissioner, they're going to be at the, at the big-name schools here in the next five to ten years after they build an excellent program at these Sun Belt programs. Yeah, you know, the great thing about being a commissioner of Sunbelt is I don't really have to tell our schools anything. You know, they they got great leaders. We've got great CEOs, great ADs. They know what they're doing. 
Um, they understand how important football is. You know, we talk about football investment and what we're trying to do. So for our schools, you know, fortunately we've got, we've got great staffs there that know, um, you know, kind of who the up and coming coaches are and, and who can really help them win. So our schools really do a good job of identifying great talent. Um, they invest in our programs, you know, so it's not just great coaches. It's also great investment in terms of how you support your student athletes, how you fill out your coaching staff to make sure you have the um, ability to, to have the analysts and the, and the people to break down film and, and kind of help them with recruiting. It's also the facilities. If you look at our facilities in the Sun Belt, you know, they are second to none. You know, we we're just talking about Arkansas State um, beforehand. You go to the Arkansas State football building, it's, um, it's, 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 it's impressive, you know, and you look at the indoor that Coastal Carolina is about to build. You look at the um, facilities that Louisiana has, and then they just announced that they're going to um, do some stadium renovations. So the investment, our, you know, our schools get it. You know, we want to be great in football, and, and, and we already are, and we want to just keep getting better. And uh, we're investing in facilities, investing in people and our coaches. And um, you can see that the results on the field reflect kind of what our schools um, have invested now, before we get into NIL, and that's such a big topic as well, I've got to ask you about that investment of the Sunbelt Conference because it's not only a football conference per se. Five or six years ago, you guys had a national champion in baseball in Coastal Carolina. Basketball, you guys have several competitive programs, whether it's you know Arkansas State out of, out of uh, Jonesboro or Georgia State or any of those programs out of your uh, conference. Talk about that investment, not only in football, but across the board across the Sun Belt. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great point, Mitch. I, I appreciate you raising that because if you think even this year in softball, you know, we have four softball teams go to the NCAA tournament. So most of our history, that's a, a sport that's really important to us. We've hosted Super Regionals in the past. Um, when you look at our baseball, our baseball historically has been really good, multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, basketball, as you said, you know, we've won games in the NCAA tournament, uh, three points away from winning one this year. So we do want to have kind of comprehensive success. Um, I, I think that that's important to our CEOs and important to our ADs. And we want to be good at everything. You know, we were just looking at the um, um, the Director's Cup's ranking just to see kind of where we rank and, you know, how many top 100 programs we have and that kind of all sports ranking because that's important. That's something that we track. We want to be good at everything. We want to be great at football, obviously, but we don't want to be a one-trick pony. And um, when we invest in the other sports, we track it. And uh, we're really excited about our future, uh, really across the board um, in FBS. Now, looking over at NIL, the name, image, and likeness bill that has been passed through, like I said, the Congress, uh, the NCAA, and has now been passed by, I think, all 50 states across the country, uh, government bodies. Talk about what that actually means and how you see kind of the gray areas a little bit that maybe people like myself don't really understand per se. And how will that benefit not only the football players, because obviously football players are going to get, you know, the bigger endorsements, but how will that affect the non-revenue sports like a baseball, like a softball track and field? How does that affect those student athletes as well? Yeah. So, you know, so I, I think it's, it's a, it's a great opportunity for student athletes. So that's it. Let me just start there. So um, I, I think we're all excited about it. I think that, you know, one of the things that's been hard in the NCAA is if you had a student athlete that wrote a book, you know, they wouldn't actually be able to get the proceeds from their book um, just because of the way our rules were written. So trying to make that um, a better situation for those students, I think, is, is, is a good thing and a positive thing. I think where it gets a little challenging is there is a patchwork of kind of state laws. And so 
you know, not all 50 states have laws. There's some that have executive orders. There's some that have laws that have kind of passed through the legislature. Some allow marks to be used, institutional marks to be used, some don't allow. I do think it, it's in all of our best interest to have some kind of uniform um, kind of approach. And that would be, that's why I do think it would be helpful if Congress did kind of pass a national standard so that we can have a uniform approach and everyone could be operating under the same um, same kind of um, um, protocols. Because even in the Sun Belt, you know, we've got different states doing different things. You know, North Carolina has an executive order. South Carolina has a law that's passed. They're different. They, they can't do the same thing. And so I do think that consistency would be helpful. So I think, you know, the thing that I would say that people may not know or be tracking on is, I think consistency would help everyone in having a federal law passed um, so that there is a national standard, I think is really important. I think we've taken a great first step and, you know, the NCAA changed its laws and the states that um, have laws, those student athletes can take advantage of it. Even the state that don't, those student athletes can also take advantage of it. And so it's great, but it'd be nice to bring some consistency to it. I think that would make it better for everyone. Now, I heard a really good point on the national radio sports station uh, this past weekend, and they were talking about how this would affect the student athletes' taxes or their parents' taxes. Has that been discussed, or how is that being played out? Because, you know, we've seen several deals where student athletes are going to be signing for one or two million dollars, and then we see a hundred thousand dollars. How is that tax? Is that the kind of same? tax bracket let's say if you and i have a you know we're 20 25 years old and we'll go have a full-time job is that taxed the same way or is this non-exempt or how does that work so far yeah so and and i don't want to get too far outside my lane in terms of you know not an expert in tax law and those kind of things but i do think generally it's going to be taxable income you know and so if you make a hundred thousand dollars then then that's that that's going to be taxable income as it would be for anyone else as a general sense and so um, so I do think there are some implications, obviously tax implications. Um, there are implications to your Pell Grants and, and some of the grants that you might get in terms of, you know, is there a earning threshold that might cut into some of that money that might uh, make it net, you know, a little bit less. So I do think there's a lot to learn and adjust. And, you know, it's early, you know, we're a week into it. Um, there's a lot of things that we've got to figure out. I mean, I, I think you know, students got to make sure that they're not signing like predatory contracts and those kinds of things. I think it's incumbent upon our schools to educate them. And I certainly know in the Sun Belt, we're trying to educate our students, to make sure that they are prepared for whether it's the taxes, whether it's the implication on their financial aid, whether it's making sure that they understand the contracts that they're signing. So I, I do think the start is always going to be a little bumpy as people kind of learn things. But I actually think the outcome will be good and will eventually kind of settle in to a nice rhythm, and um, and I think it will be, you know, positive for the students and, um, and for the institutions. Now, one more question on this topic, and I don't know if this is necessarily an NIL topic, but Commissioner, has there been any talks about expanding the scholarship limitations for baseball, let's say, which is 11 and a half, 11.7 scholarships? Is that kind of the next thing on the horizon for you guys with the NCAA, or is that, are we still kind of a, a bit off of that? Yeah, you know what, so I, I certainly think there are, there are conversations always going on about scholarship limits and um, how it impacts Title IX and gender equity and, and what kind of changes need to be made. So I, I do think those are ongoing conversations. Uh, whether there's something specific going on in baseball, I don't know that I'm aware of that per se, except the general sense that you always hear in terms of, um, you know, from the baseball community that they 
could use more scholarships just like, you know, any other, um, you know, any other sport could as well. So I think those are ongoing kind of conversations. You're always trying to figure out, you know, what's the right amount, what's the right ratios, how do you make sure that sports are, um, yeah, you know, growing and developing at the right level. You know, you think about baseball and softball, there's a lot of opportunity there, you know, and so um, those, those are great sports. Volleyball is another sport where there are a lot of potential for growth. And so you always want to make sure that you're supporting them in the right way. And so I think those conversations really are kind of ongoing and, and we're always kind of working through those issues. Michelle, I want to ask you about the COVID uh, stuff that we've all had to deal with the last past year and a half. If it, if it wasn't honestly for the Sun Belt, the SEC, uh, the Big 12, and the American and the Conference USA, we would not be having college football this past fall. What went into those conversations with those conferences, and how did you guys lead the rest of the college football world into the future and into playing what this country needed the most, and that was college football? You know, the one thing where I say I was really, really lucky is in the Sun Belt, you know, our ADs and our CEOs made it clear that they wanted to try to find a way to play. And um, in our COVID-19 advisory panel, you know, advised us that, you know, if we follow the proper protocols, there is a way to play safely. And, um, and so we were really buoyed by that, really were committed to playing. Um, I, I really was impressed by just how much collaboration went on the conversations that we, we had as commissioners, um, certainly, you know, trying to get a sense of where everybody was, what they were thinking, what obstacles, what challenges were, um, so that we could all work together and make sure we had a season. And I was really um, pleased um, with how that collaboration worked, you know, and I was really pleased that we were able to start. In Sunbelt's case, we started on time. Um, we ended up playing all of our conference games except for one, um, regular season conference game. So that's 59 of, of, of 60. Um, and so, yeah, it really was just tremendous in that regard that we were able to have, you know, so much success and, um, and it kind of went, went forward in that way. So, um, it was a tough year though. It was a challenging year, but I'm really glad that we, um, kind of got it going because I, I do think that was the momentum that helped us have kind of a full year which was um, really, really critical um, to this year and also to next year, you know, in terms of, you know, this season is really important, but if it wasn't for last season, we might still be wondering if we could play this season. I feel like because we played last season, played successfully, you know, now next season, we really are trying to make it as normal as we can. So how full are the stadiums going to be? You know, what, what, you know, how much vaccination is going to be there? How, how, how little disruption will there be? So I just feel like we're asking different questions this year. And, um, and last year was a big, big part of um, getting us to this point where we can feel like, hey, we're going to play. We just want to understand what it looks like. Commissioner, i got two more questions for you, and they're both really fun questions for the Southeastern fan base and the Sunbelt footprint to get to know you. So first football weekend of the year, you guys did really well against the Big 12 against a Power Five conference, and I see your smile right now. Commissioner, <laughs> how do you celebrate a weekend like that when, when your conference goes undefeated against a big a big Power Five conference? The way you guys did, a lot of big upsets as well. How do you celebrate that, and how do you not only celebrate it personally but as a whole as a conference? Yeah, so I think a couple things. So I'll give you my personal kind of celebration is jumping around, screaming, and yelling a lot. So and that's like during the whole game. So I'm, I'm 
I'm a pretty like uh, publicly, I'm a pretty stoic watcher. Um, but privately in my house, I'm a pretty crazed watcher with um, a lot of screaming and yelling, every touchdown, turnover, you know, like the typical typical fan would be. So um, so a lot of excitement and enthusiasm there. You know, I think the, the one good thing for us is, you know, we expected to win those games. And so, um, you know, it wasn't a situation where we're like, oh, we did something that we weren't planning to do. I really feel like we go into every game, if you're a member of the Sunbelt Conference, expecting to win, uh, no matter who you're playing, no matter who the opponent is. And, and so we recognize that. And I think that one of the things that we try to do, um, you know, as a league, though, is, you know, we noted we are we are really um, trying to make sure people understand the quality of football that we have here in the Sun Belt. So we're trying to get that message out. And those are good opportunities to do that, to really show, hey, what we can do and what we have been doing uh, for a really long time. So, you know, so trying to promote the league, trying to use that to brand us is um is kind of how we celebrate but personally you know i'm you know i love football you know it's the sport i played in college it's kind of the sport of my youth and how i connected with my dad you know on sundays after church watching nfl football and then you know on saturdays you know after i played high school football the friday night you know i'd sit around and watch college football all day if i wasn't working so um, football's always been such a huge part of my life and so um, i watch it with great intensity um, a lot of yelling and screaming and a, and a lot of jumping around in the house. So, which, which is fun. You know, it's, um, it, 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 those were good. Those were good. Last year was a great year for the Sun Belt. You know, I don't know um, how else to say it in terms of our competitive, um, it, the, the way the competitive season went for us in football. We were really excited about that and uh, looking forward to building upon that uh, this year. Coach, last question I have for you. You're living in New Orleans right now. My favorite city in the entire country. I love New Orleans. What is your favorite food, Coach? What is your go-to favorite food place in New Orleans, the home of the beignets and the po' boys? Yeah, so, you know, so I, I, I love Parkway, you know, so that's my po' boy place. If I can get an oyster po' boy from Parkway, um, that is, yeah, that's kind of heaven. <laughs> and then the other thing I would say, though, is I love all gumbo. So pretty much everywhere I go, I try the gumbo. And, um, and here, as you can imagine, the gumbo, well, as you know, I mean, the gumbo is, is pretty terrific. So so pretty much any gumbo I can get. And, um, you know, Parkway is my go-to po' boy place. Uh, if I can get an oyster po' boy from there, um, I'm pretty fired up. He is Commissioner Keith Gill. Commissioner, thank you so much for coming on the Mitch Davis Show. Good luck to you and the Sun Belt this football season and the rest of the seasons. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Really appreciate it. No problem. Hey, Commissioner. You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. Follow the Instagram page at the Mitch Davis Show, and also be sure you check out the podcast and the website at TheMitchDavisShow.com. A very special thank you to our special guest today, Commissioner Keith Gill out of the Sunbelt Conference, as we talked about all things Sunbelt Athletics, NIL, and also the college football playoffs. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Friday on the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. And until next time, folks, stay safe, have a great weekend, and enjoy a little baseball.